Welcome back, Schmodown fans. It is episode number 43 of Talkin' Schmodown. Season 6, the Magic Season, has officially ended. The Schmodown Spectacular was fantastic, and we are getting into some awesome stuff. I'm going to be talking a lot about the draft. I'm going to be talking about the upcoming awards, uh, and uh, maybe a little bit of other stuff. So let's get into things, all right? I am super, super excited, and I hope you are too. So let's get ready to talk Schmodown. Alright everybody, welcome back to Talkin' Schmodown. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc and Movie Blog, and this is episode number 43 of Talkin' Schmodown. Uh, as you guys may know, if you've been uh, following me on Twitter, I came down with a pretty pretty bad case of bronchitis last week, so I was not able to do an episode last week, but I promised I would get one out this week. I'm still not at 100%, but I'm going to get this episode done. Uh, you know, there's some great stuff I want to talk about, uh, some some interesting information that has dropped over the last few days even, uh, so I'm glad that I'm here doing this episode today. Um, so first off, uh, on a bit of a somber note, I wanted to uh, take a moment of silence for Karen Volpe. She passed away recently. Uh, she was the wife of Paul Preston. This was sad. She was uh, battling cancer, and it finally, it finally got the best of her. Unfortunately, she was a fantastic person, hilarious, uh, and she will definitely be missed. So, I'd like, like I said, I'd like to take a, a moment of silence for Karen. All right. And my condolences and my thoughts and well wishes uh, go out to Paul Preston and all of his and Karen's friends and family. Uh, I know this is a difficult time, but you know I'm here for you, Paul, if you ever need anything. So please reach out. Love you, guy. Uh, so let's get into things. Let's, there's really no good way to tran- transition out of that. So let's let's just kind of get into things. Um, so. It was announced uh, that the undercard for the season seven opener in New York will be Andrew Guy versus Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, this came about on episode, uh, I believe it was it was either SEN Live or Backstage, where uh, Ben P- officially gave his choice for Andrew Guy's opponent. He won this opportunity. Uh, to do so uh, at the Houston live event when he beat Andrew Guy. The stipulation was that if Ben won, he would get to choose Guy's next uh, singles opponent, and that is going to be Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, now, some of you may be like, well, he's a manager. How how does this work with the draft and everything? Uh, Chris, you know, During that episode, Christian made it clear that this was a one-time thing, uh, that managers are not going to be competing but that this will still count toward the points that will be accumulated during the draft. So this is a special case because Ben had the opportunity to uh, choose who he got. Uh, and the main event for that show will be Mara Kanopic versus Kevin Smets for the Inner Geekdom title. I am super excited for this. This is actually the sh- I'm going to be at this live event. So any of you going to the New York live event, please make sure to look out for me. I'm kind of a big guy, 
long black curly hair with glasses. You can't miss me. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's my first live event, so I am super, super excited. And I think this is a great card to have for this event. Uh, also announced, uh, Christian announced on the Movie Trivia Schmodown Facebook page that William Bibiani versus Paul Oyama uh, will face off against one another in a number one contenders match in uh, season seven. And that will determine who will face Ben Bateman for the title. In Atlanta. Atlanta, The Atlanta Live Show is February 29th. Uh, So this William Bibiani versus uh, Paul Oyama match will happen, obviously, sometime inside that first month of of, uh, Season 7. So speaking of the Atlanta Live Show, like I said, it's going to be uh, Ben Bateman's first title defense versus either William Bibiani or Paul Oyama for the, uh, the singles title. And we will also be getting Alex Damon. Versus Emily the Rose Jacobson in an inner geekdom match. That's right. Alex Damon officially entering the uh, the inner geekdom division. Uh, this will be his first match. So I am really excited to see how well he does in inner geekdom. Uh, this was actually revealed. The fact that Damon is going to be on the undercard was revealed during uh, like a random... Uh, walk around live stream kind of thing that Christian did. He was like walking through his neighborhood, just, just kind of, like I said, just going for a walk, and he decided to do a live stream. And this is where he actually revealed that Alex Damon would be on the undercard of the uh, Atlanta show, competing in the Inner Geekdom division. And then uh, they wound up posting the, the the official poster for the Atlanta show, and it showed Alex Damon going up against Emily Jacobson. So I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I think uh, it'll be... I'm really excited to see how well he does outside of just Star Wars. Obviously, there are Star Wars questions that I'm sure he will get instantly. But it's all about how much does he know of these other categories. So, yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, And also, speaking of Alex Damon, uh, the Alex Damon train just keeps on rolling. As during a live Twitch session, former Star Wars champ Sam Witwer confirmed that he will not be returning to the Schmodown to battle Alex for the title. He said that when he did this, when he first got into the Schmodown, uh, he didn't realize that he would have to continuously defend the title. He thought it was, you know, you come in, oh yeah, he, you, you, he won this event, so you were the champ of this event, and so and that would be the end of it. He didn't realize that he would have to be there continuously to defend, and that's not something that his schedule can permit so he he you know i guess he's been asked a lot lately so he made a definitive statement that he is not going to be uh, coming back to the schmodown to face off uh for that title you know and i mean i was a little bit bummed to hear this but honestly i think it's probably for the best um if you're not fully into it if you're not you know committed then it, you're not gonna it's not gonna be that great you know you're gonna see yeah, maybe he'll win, but he's not really gonna. He's not really invested. And someone like Alex Damon, he's invested. You see that. Um, and honestly, I want to see Laura Kelly get her shot again. So uh, I'm hoping to see that soon. Um, another thing that uh, Christian announced um, a while back, he announced that there was going to be a rule book uh, for all the competitors. Uh, like an actual physical book that has all the rules of the Schmodown and everything so that the competitors know exactly you know, how things will be worked and it will help with challenges and this, that, and the other. 
Um, however, he did announce that it would not be available for fans. I'm really bummed about this, and, and me and Jay Wade, who's the host of SCN Afterlife, we've actually had a discussion about this a few times, about how Christian wants this league to be more like a sport. And he's even said on, it was, again, it was either SCN Live or on, on Schmodown Backstage, that he's not like the biggest fan of all the elaborate entrances, and that like, he, he prefers the more simple stuff, like, for instance, the at, at spectacular John Roca coming out sick. That's his. That's what he considers the best entrance of the year. And I'm like, ah, no, because he wants it more like a sport. As a as a so okay. I, I the way I when I talked about it with Jay, I I compared it to he wants it to be now. He wants it to be more like boxing, which is a like a, a sport, as opposed to wrestling which is sports entertainment. And when he started this, he always compared it to wrestling. And it seems like he's kind of pushing away from that and wanting it to be more like a sport, even though he's still heavy in the storyline. So it doesn't make sense. But if you want it to be like a actual sport, then the rules should be available for everyone who watches. Because all sports, football, baseball, all that stuff, the rules are there and they are available for the fans to see. So, I think that the rule book should be available for the fans. Maybe he doesn't see it this way. It, you know, and in the end it's his call. I'm just a guy out here talking about Schmodown. It is what it is. But honestly, if you want it, you can't have it both ways, dude. Like it's it's getting a little bit ridiculous. You you flip-flop Whenever it, it, it's convenient for you, um, you know, if, if you if you want it to be more like a sport, then treat it more like a sport. If you want it to be more like e- hell, even wrestling, people know the fucking rules, man. People know the rules of sports entertainment. So why you're hiding the rules from the fans? I don't understand. You know, it, letting the fans see these rules will definitely help prevent a whole lot of people bitching and moaning about calls that are made because it's, if it's clear in the book then they got nothing they got no ground to, to stand on you know they can't sit there and be like oh this was a bullshit call blah 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 because it's right there in the book so but if we don't see the book then those things are going to continue to happen so i don't know I, 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 I'm flabbergasted by the the, uh, the choice that he's made to just keep it hush hush like it's it's all it's a big secret no one else can know the rules outside of the game it's like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but whatever it is what it is uh, and the other thing that was uh, recently announced I think this was announced before um, my last show but I, I think I left it off by accident was that questions from the first six seasons will actually be uh, begin to be recycled into new seasons. So if a question was asked in seasons one through six, it could pop up again uh, in, in, in any of the new seasons, including season seven, which I think in general is a good idea as long as they're not just using the exact same questions every season. You know, really mix it up, continue to add new questions. It's just grow that bank of questions so that the things don't get so super deep that no one can really excel in this game outside of a, a couple of people. 
So I, I really like the idea. I've been I've been saying that they should be doing this for a while, so I'm really glad uh, that this is a decision that they made. All right, so now we are going to get into the draft. Uh, on Schmodown Backstage, it was revealed that apparently there was a different manager that was supposed to be in the draft instead of Sam. But they wound up not being able to do it, and Sam was brought, it was asked and brought in uh, as the 10th manager. Now, I know that, I believe it was last episode, I mentioned that uh, we were informed by a couple of different competitors that it was, this was on accident, you know, they they accidentally kind of blurted it out, and I'm not going to say who it was, um, that Rachel Cushing was going to be the 10th manager. So, and this was, I mean, from what, from the way Christian and, and, and Sam talked about it, it was right up to the end, you know. Uh, Sam said, like, he found out, like, 36 hours before uh, the spectacular that, you know, that it was going to be him. And so I'm I'm wondering, I'm, I'm assuming that they were correct, that it was originally supposed to be Rachel Cushing. Something happened, she couldn't do it. Which, you know, that happens. I'm, I'm bummed. I'm really, like, I would have loved to have seen Rachel as... A, uh, as, as a manager, I think that would have been fantastic. And so I'm sad that she, she wasn't able to, but I love Sam as well, and I think he'll do a, a fantastic job. Another thing about the draft is that it will be what is called a serpentine or a snake draft. So for those of you who don't know, uh, what that means is they will go through their first uh Round, so it'll be like one through well, not I will get into this later, but now it's only nine, so it'll be one through nine, and then for round two, it'll start at nine and go down to one, and then for round three, it'll go back to one and go through nine and nine to one, and until everything is until the whole uh, shebang is done. Uh, so that's what's that, that is what a uh, snake draft is, and that that is how this one will be uh, formatted. Which I'm I'm interested in, um, fantasy drafts and things like that aren't something that I'm very familiar with. So just seeing how it all, and, and I'm not really a big sports guy, so I don't watch like the actual draft, like the NBA draft or you know the NFL draft, anything like that. So uh, this is like one of my first real experiences with with, with an actual like draft like this, because um, I don't count what they do on WWE when they do their draft uh, the same. It's very very different. And so, I, I don't know. I thought this was interesting, and I'm I'm I can't wait for the draft. I, it's one of my most anticipated things, and it's the, like the one of the first. It's like the first thing that's going to happen in season seven. Uh, it was also revealed on an episode of SCN Live what the draft order would be. Now I'm going to go through all the variations of the draft order as they have come about. Um, so this first version, uh, there was a little bit of a hiccup at the end. So they started picking out names and it went Winston, Shannon, Sam, Kaiser, Coy, Jay, Emma, and Tom. Now, if you're counting, if you're keeping track, that's only eight out of what were originally 10. It's because right here at this point in, in the picking, Christian realized that there was only one name left in the hat, and there was supposed to be two, 
and he realized that he left Roxy's name out of the hat. Something happened. I don't know if he forgot to put it in or if like it fell out when they were shaking. Something happened and Roxy's name wasn't in there. So they had to start completely over. So people like Winston and Shannon who had number one and number two, they don't have those anymore. Uh, so what what the draft wound up being, what the picks wound up being, were number one was Sam Levine. He went up from number three to, to number one. Then for number two, we got Jay Washington, who went from six to two. Number three was Roxy Stryer, who wasn't even on there, and she wound up with number three. Uh, Coy got number four. He moved up a spot. Kaiser got number five. He went down a spot. Uh, Tom got six, went up a couple spots. Shannon got seven. Winston got eight. They went down significantly. Uh, Emma got nine, uh, so she went down a couple spots. And Robert Meyer Burnett, who was the last name in the hat, uh, wound up again as the last pick in the draft. So, yeah, I guess it was just fated for him to uh, not get that pick. Um, so when I, when I first heard this, I was like, wow. That really screwed over Winston and Emma. Now, some of the other uh, managers, they went down like a couple spots here and there, but Winston and Shannon, they went down the most. Winston went down seven spots. Shannon went down five. And honestly, I think because this was not their fault, they had those spots, you know, because this was a mistake by the chairman. Personally, and I put this out on Twitter, um, and, and I know that at least Shannon had uh, had liked it and commented that this is what should happen. Um, but Shannon and Winston, in my opinion, should get an extra pick in that first round. Because they went down so far, they should get an extra pick. Let you know all the managers do their picks. Then before starting round two, give Winston and then Shannon an extra pick. I, I think that's fair. Be, you know, it, it really it screwed them. It really did. This little mistake screwed them in the draft, and it may prevent them from getting the the, the players that they really wanted. You know, so I don't know. That that's just my opinion. I think that would be fair. I think that would be good because honestly, no matter what, you know, you get to a certain number of picks, then you got to stop anyways. You know, I, I believe it's ten now. Once you hit ten, that's it. Your card is full. So even if they're done picking by you know before some of the other people because they got that extra pick before round two, it doesn't really matter. So I really think that that's something that that should happen personally. Uh, but that's not the end of the story here. Uh, so just the other day, some big breaking news happened. I think it was actually yesterday this happened. I'm recording this on a Tuesday, and I believe this happened on Monday's episode of SCN Live. I'm gonna read the uh, Facebook pa- post uh, from one of the one of the fans in the Schmodown Facebook page. Uh, this is what they said: it "said huge breaking Schmodown news just announced on SEN Live with Jay Washington on a special guest. Because of Jay's commitments he has upcoming in 2020, he will not be able to manage his faction, villains and heroes, and instead will become a consultant on Winston's team." The Swag Squad. Who will manage uh, Villains and Heroes faction? No one. Because Jay's team is no more. And there will now only be 9 teams in total. Drafting 10 
players each. So I went back and I watched this part. It's right, literally right at the beginning of the episode. It's like, it starts at like the eight minute mark and goes until like the 15 minute mark. So it's like a, a seven minute chunk right there, right at the beginning. You know, Jay talks about he's got his his wrestling career is really taking off, acting's taking off, his comedy career's taking off, uh, his hosting career's taking off, and he has a he has a job. He's a bouncer at a nightclub, so like all of this stuff is going on in his life. That's great, great stuff, but it's making it so that he he's not really going to be able to put in the time and effort necessary to manage this big faction. Uh, for the upcoming season. But he, he is going to be, like he said, a consultant with Winston. So I think that's really good. Just like how Grace is now a consultant uh, for the uh, for the Fife Club with Emma, Jay will be a consultant with uh, the Swag Squad. Now, like I said, this mean, he, his team is gone. He had the number two pick. So that pick is just gone and out of there. And everybody from three to ten gets moved up a slot. Now, really, it doesn't. I mean, yes, it prevents uh, Jay from t- you know taking somebody that you know maybe somebody else would have wanted, but it doesn't really change a whole lot. But it, it, it changes enough. So here is the new uh, draft order. Number one, you have Sam Levine with the Usual Suspects. Number two, Roxy Stryer with the Rock Stars. Number three, Koi Jandro with the Mouthy Mercs. Number four, Kaiser with the Dungeon. Number five, Tom Dagnino with the Finstock Exchange. Number six, Shannon Barney with the with Corruption. Number seven, Winston Marshall with Swag Squad. Number eight, Emma Fife with the Fife Club. And number nine, Robert Meyer Burnett with the Burning Droogs. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting. Um, it, it's now going to be ten people. I guess he had changed. Okay, so from, from what I remember... He, when he first announced everything, it was 10 teams, 10 picks each. Apparently, he changed it at some point because he said uh, during the show that it was going to go, it was going to go up to 10 uh, from 8. So apparently, he had made it so that they were only going to get 8 picks. I, I don't remember that happening, but you know, he said that that's what it was. So, but but it, 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 none of that really matters because now it's, it's 10. It's back to 10 or is 10 or whatever, whatever the case may be. It's 9 teams. Ten players each, uh, and and I'm interested. I think it'll be it'll be fa- fascinating. Um, there was another important change that was announced recently by Christian on the uh, uh, Facebook, the Movie Trivia Schmodown Facebook group, and that change is that the top five teams in the rankings, excluding the champions, are protected because the champions are guaranteed. However. The 6 through 10 teams are no longer soft protected. So if you're a top 5, which is Corruption, The Family, Shazam, Who's the Boss, and The Odd Couple, if a manager chooses one of those players, so for instance, if uh, someone picks Mike Kalinowski, they automatically get Chance Ellison as their second pick. They they don't have a choice. If they want Mike, they got to take Chance. If they want William Bibiani, they got to take Brendan Meyer. So, if a manager chooses one of those players from any of the teams in the top five, they will automatically get their teammate for the next round pick. 
Now, originally, Christian had contemplated with uh, protecting teams six through ten with a with like a a soft uh, a, a soft protection. So it was, from what I remember, if you picked somebody from, so let's take Time Machine for instance, because they're I think like number seven. If someone picked Ethan Irwin, then they would have the choice of saying, you know what, I want. Time Machine to stay together. I'm going to take Janine for my next round pick. And they have that option. But if they didn't want Janine, they could just say, I just want Ethan. I'm just going to, we'll just let that go. And someone else can have Janine. And that's what originally, the, the original plan for 6 through 10 was. Now, that is no longer the case. If a manager wishes to keep a current team that is 6 through 10 together, or actually now any team that's not in the top five. Like again, we'll, we'll take Time Machine for in- instance. If they choose Ethan Irwin and they want to keep Time Machine together, they have to hope that Janine is still available in the next round, at, you know, for their next pick in the next round. If someone picks up Janine, then they're out of luck and they do not get that team. So I, he keeps adding stuff, man. It's making this draft more interesting. We are less than two weeks away. We're like a week and a half away from the draft. Uh, and, and things are getting crazy. So many people have made their mock drafts already. And, and now, like, I know uh, Frank Janish went on. He was like, oh, I got to redo this whole thing. Because they they first off, there's only nine managers now. And the 6 through 10 aren't soft protected anymore. So... I, I don't know. It's A lot of people have to redo those mock drafts now. And speaking of a mock draft, I am going to do a sort of like a mock draft. Um, I'm going to do my first two-round predictions for the, for the draft. I guess it's technically kind of a mock draft, but I'm only doing the first two rounds because I didn't want to get crazy into it. It's already going to be a long enough episode because I'm going to be doing the awards after all this. And I didn't want to get crazy in, in, into it. Um, plus I feel like after the first few rounds, I probably could have done four, but after the first few rounds, it gets far more difficult. I think to, to really predict cause you got a ton of newbies. You've got people who only played like one match here or there. So people who you don't even know whether or not they're actually going to get a chance to play or not, but they're on the roster. So I don't know. I think that that's, that's why I'm sticking to just the first two rounds. So we're going to start off, number one, Sam Levine. And I know a lot of people out there, even myself originally, said um, there's no way he doesn't take Drew McWeeny. That was his boy. But with it comes Andrew Guy. And it's like, does he want Andrew Guy? And the way he talked on, uh, I think it was backstage. I, I cannot honestly remember for the life of me whether or not it was backstage or SCN Live. But I, the way he talked, he was not sure. You know, it was not a definite. So honestly, with that first pick, I see Sam taking Shazam. William Bibiani in round one. Uh, Brendan Meyer in round two taking Shazam. One of the best teams out there. I mean, they just fought at Spectacular. You know, they, they, they won the team tournament and, and fought against Founding Fathers. They didn't win, but... I mean, they fought hard for to try to get those titles. So, so number two, I've got so it's Roxy Stryer taking 
the odd couple, starting with Mark and Draco, with Jeff Snyder in round two. She she has done so well with these guys, and I don't foresee her dropping them. Um, I think she I think it's a smart play for her to take on, uh, continue to take on the odd couple. Number three, we've got Koi Jandro, and his whole thing was that. You know, he wants to get the people who are good and and mouthy. You know, people who can who can handle themselves on the mic, and that's why I see him taking Andrew Guy and with it, Drew McWeeny taking the family in rounds one and two. Uh, I, like I said, you know, Andrew Guy, he's great on the mic. He he can he can mic it up with with the best of them, and they're a damn good team. You got and you got Drew McWeeny, who's a damn good singles player. So I think it's a smart bet that Koi takes the family in rounds one and two. Then we got Kaiser. Obviously, Kaiser is keeping Kevin Smets. Kevin Smets is the champion, so that is his round one pick. Uh, number five is Tom Dagnino. I obviously he is taking uh, founding fathers, so I have him taking Dan, uh, Dan Murrow first, and then John Roca. I don't know if it really matters which order they take them in, but. I have him taking Founding Fathers first because I think you have to take your champions first. So he'll take Founding Fathers first, then Ben Bateman in round three, Mark Riley in round four because Ben and Mark um, are are protected because they're uh, in the top five uh, for a team. So because um, he is because Ben is a champion, Tom gets to keep him, and because him and Mark are team. He also gets to keep Mark. So all of the horsemen get to stay together, which I think is is, is awesome. Um, though I am sad that it's the team name's not the horsemen. But, you know, if he had lost all those people, then it kind of wouldn't make a whole, as much sense. So uh, I guess there'll be kind of like a little inception. You have the Founding Fathers and uh, uh, Who's the Boss within the horsemen within the Finstock Exchange. It's a little inception you know. But uh, no matter what, that's a lock for, for Tom. His first four rounds are locked up tight, and uh, we're not going to see him again until round five. So then we get to Shannon uh, for no, pick number six, and I have her taking Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison, taking the team of corruption for corruption. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, this is, there's no way that she doesn't take Mike. Um, and I don't foresee... Th- Mike getting taken in the first five, um, especially since, I guess technically in the first three, um, as Tom and Kaiser have to take, take their champions. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't know if they have to, but they're going to. There's no way that they would drop their champs. Um, and the only person I could really see taking on Mike is maybe Koi. Um, however, I, I think he's got other plans. I, I don't think you need to take a Mike Kalinowski and a Chance Ellison when you could take something like the family. I, I don't know. Uh, I, th- I really think that Shannon's going to luck out here and get Mike and Chance, uh, to stay in corruption. Uh, so then we've got number, pick number seven, which is Winston Marshall. Uh, and I have him taking Ethan Irwin. Now, again, like I said, Time Machine is not protected. So, if no one takes Janine, theoretically he could pick her up later on. 
Uh, but who knows what's going to happen. <clears throat> then we've got number eight, which is Emma. I got her taking Mara Kanopic. And number nine, Robert Meyer Burnett taking the former singles champion, Paul Oyama. I can, I really could see this happening. You know, he is someone who wants winners. He wants someone who, I, I guarantee you, he prefer would prefer to have heels who are good on the mic and things like that, who can do what he wants them to do. And I think Paul really would fit in well with uh, Robert Meyer Burnett. And that's the end of round one. So now because it is a snake draft, the entire order is flipped, and Robert Meyer Burnett gets a second pick right after. And I have him going for another Paul, Paul Preston. Yes, uh, this guy has really shown how good he is uh, in, in this league, and I think it would be a mistake for uh, Burnett not to pick up someone like a Paul Preston. I think, again, he would fit well uh, in with this. And maybe he'll be able to pick up Adam Witt and keep the movie guys together. I don't know. We'll see. So then for number 11, I've got Emma again picking up Alex Damon. Now, I know what you may be saying. Well, Alex Damon, he's going to be an inner geekdom person now too. Yes, that is true, but he's also a Star Wars champ. And, you know, he'll probably have to defend it a couple of times at least, so you'll have some good stuff there. you got a champ on your team. And, yes, you'll have both Mara and uh, Alex Damon, who may eventually wind up facing off against one another. But, if you've got two powerhouse players, man, even if they're in the same... I mean, you're going to have powerhouse players in singles. You're going to have people who... Teammates who are in singles fighting against each other. You probably have... You may have multiple teams who wind up fighting against each other. It's going to happen when you have a 10-person faction. It, it, there's no way around it. So, the way I looked at it, these are two of the best in Intergeekdom, and then you've also, and one of them is also the Star Wars champ. So, Mara's a former Intergeekdom champ. She may become that Intergeekdom champ again. So, that's why I say Mark Knopic and Alex Damon are going to be part of the Fife Club. Then we get to Winston, and I see Winston taking Jay's advice and t- picking up Janine the Machine. Keeping Time Machine together, keeping that crew together, uh, I-, I really could see that. There are a lot of options out there. You know, I think originally I had uh, Winston picking up, because I had Jay taking Ethan and Janine uh, like before the, everything everything happened, before all the announcements happened, and, and, and the 6 through 10 wasn't protected, and we lost Jay, and all this other stuff. Um, so I had Winston at one point taking uh, Lon Harris. So, I mean, that, that could happen. But I have a feeling we may see Jay convince Winston to take Janine as long as she's still available. <clears throat> then we get Shannon, who's g- going to have Chance because she uh, took Mike in the first place. You have Tom, who's going to wind up with Roca. Uh, then we are going to have, this is actually the last pick. That's not guaranteed because... So the next one up is Kaiser. And then we have Koi, Roxy, and Sam. Koi will have Drew McWeeny because he because he picked the family. Roxy will have Jeff Snyder because she picked the odd couple. Sam will have Brendan Meyer because he picked Shazam. So Kaiser, I have... Maybe this is a dark horse pick. I don't know. But I see a lot of talent in this player. 
and have a lot of hope for her in season seven, and that is the amazing Rachel Silvestrini. That's right. So Rachel Silvestrini joining the dungeon. That's what I see happening, and I really hope it goes down that way. So that's my first two rounds for the draft. I'm going to real quick go over. Uh, So we have Sam Levine and the usual suspects taking Shazam, both William Bibiani and Brendan Meyer. We have Roxy Stryer and the Rockstars taking the odd couple, Mark Andreco and Jeff Snyder. We have Coy Jandro uh, of the Mouthy Mercs taking the family, Andrew Guy and Drew McWeeny. We have Kaiser of the Dungeon taking Kevin Smets and Rachel Silvestrini. Shannon Barney of Corruption taking the team of Corruption, Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison. Winston Marshall taking Ethan Irwin and Janine the Machine, keeping Time Machine together. Emma taking Mara Knopic and Alex Damon. And Robert Meyer Burnett taking Paul Oyama and Paul Preston. Uh, I think that's a solid first two rounds. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Let me know what your picks are. Um, I'm going to post my picks on Twitter as well. But yeah, hop on over to uh, Twitter at MovieBlogMerc. That's M-O-V-I-E. B-L-O-G-M-E-R-C, Movie Blog Merc. Uh, And let me know what your picks are. Let me know what you thought of my picks. Uh, Are they way off base? Are they pretty close to what you got? Obviously, some of them are are guaranteed. But, uh, you know, some of the other picks, who knows what's going to happen. But I I think it's pretty solid. So let me know uh, what, what you guys thought of all that. All right, and before we get into... The awards. I'm going to take a quick break for some ads, uh, some promos for some of the other shows here on Merc with the Movie Blog. So enjoy. Hello, everybody. Jay Wade and Kaylin here to tell you about SEN Afterlife. It's an after-show podcast where we expand on the week of craziness on SEN Live, as well as have guests on to join in the fun. Yep, and we get personal too. We do movie reviews, and at times we go way off the rails, which I guarantee is always Kalen's fault. Hey, how rude and not true. So come join us on the Mark with a Movie Blog feed, and remember to rate, share, and subscribe. And as always, enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah, host of Go Get That Rose podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Bachelor Nation. Join Jay Wade, a man in his 40s who is recently new to all things Bachelor Nation, and myself, someone who has been watching passionately for the past three years, as we review, share our thoughts on each episode of whatever show is currently on TV, whether that is Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. We might not even know everyone's names, but we have fun nonetheless. You can find us on Merkwood and Movie Blog Feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, Sean and Wade here to tell you about our new review show following each episode of Disney Plus' The Mandalorian. Dude, yes! Boba Fett! Not exactly, Wade. Set in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi and follows a Mandalorian bounty hunter beyond the reaches of the New Republic. Yeah, Boba Fett. Did you even watch Return of the Jedi? Never mind. Join us here every week on the Merc with the Movie blog feed. (laughs) Thank God Kaylin will be here too. I don't think I can handle Wade on my own. Hey, it's Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Afterlife. It's a weekly Collider Live after show podcast where Mike, Sean, and I give our takes on Roxy Uranus Annex, on Yodi's producing skills, and whatever Cody and Alex are up to in that booth. In addition to having guests, we expand on the crew's discussions and add our own craziness. 
You can find the show on Merkwin and Movie Blog Feed on all the podcasting platforms. See you soon. All right. And we are back. Please make sure to check out all those great, great shows right here on Merc with a Movie Blog. And now that the draft talk is over, we are going to get into the awards. So the award nominations have had dropped. Um, I think still technically you can vote if you are a patron. I believe you can vote up until Thursday. So if you have not done so, please get out there and do that. Um, at the awards, it was announced uh, that uh, at this year's Schmodown Awards, Mark Ellis will pr- be presenting all of the awards. I know, like, in previous years, you know, they've done, like, other award shows where they have, like, a presenter come up and they present that award and then a different present, you know. So, apparently now, I think it's a, a, to save time, it's just going to be Mark, Mark Ellis going up and presenting all of the awards. And since they're doing the awards and the draft on the same night at the same event, I think that's probably a good idea. Uh, you don't want to... You don't want to be there for six hours for an awards and draft show. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe it'd be cool. But there's not going to be matches or anything. So I, th- I think uh, doing it this way, if you can streamline it a little bit, uh, it's definitely beneficial. Uh, for entrances, it was announced that they're going to announce all the nominees and have both winners come up at the same time, I guess. So, I mean, that's interesting. I guess it's another time saver kind of thing. Um I also heard that, uh, I don't know if, if this was confirmed, but I, I remember hearing that they might do some off-camera, like before the show, um, and then just kind of like the, how they do some of the technical awards occasionally at the Oscars, um, and then just share. I, I really hope they don't, though. I, I want to see all of it, to be honest with you. I'm one of those people who would rather sit through the entire award show and see it all than not. So, I don't know. We'll see how it all goes. Uh, and it was announced that this year's Yodi Award will go to the Shire Wolves. So that I think that's a fantastic pick. Uh, if, first, it was uh, um, Mark Yodi Riley, uh, you know, for who the, the award is named after. Then last year was John Schnepp, rest in peace, big guy. And this year, the Shire Wolves. Great company for all three of these uh, uh, awards, which I find funny just because, like, you know, Riley got it, but he's not retired anymore. He came out of retirement. So I just, it was kind of interesting, but uh, it's essentially like a lifetime achievement award kind of a thing. And the Shire Wolves absolutely deserve the Yodi this year. So we are going to get into the official nominations and my picks for the 2019 Schmodown Awards. I guess maybe they will call it the 2020 Schmodown Awards. I, I I don't know how they're going to, because it takes place in 2020, but it's for the 2019. Whatever. We'll see how, we'll see what they decide to call it. All right. So first off, best entrance by an individual. We got Greg Elba, Free For All, A Star Is Born entrance. Jeff Snyder, Free For All, Bear Jew entrance. John Roca, Sick Game. Roca shows up last minute through the audience to defend his team belts with Dan Merle. Andrew DiMolanta flies an X-Wing in against Laura Kelly. Rachel Cushing, San Diego, Lord of the Rings original music, badass championship stroll to the ring with Clark Wolf. And William Bibiani, Love Actually versus Chance. So my pick for 
best entrance. I chose William Bibiani and the Love Actually entrance. I love that one. He does some of the greatest entrances. I was really torn between that and the Rachel Cushing one. Um, and right behind the two of them was the Andrew DiMolanta one. I don't see John Roca's entrance as a best entrance of the year. I, I do not agree with Christian at all on this. It was a great moment of the year, sure. That That's totally a great moment. But as an entrance, nah, nah. I, I don't think so. I honestly don't even think it should be on this list. But, you know, whatever. I don't make up the, uh, the nominations. If I made up the nominations, this show would be on Podcast of the Year, uh, uh, the, the final nomination list. It was on the pre-nomination list, which I was very thankful for. I thought that was great. Just obviously didn't get enough pre-noms in order to get on the main nom list. So it is what it is. I have to bust my ass for next year and try and get on that list. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so next up is Best Entrance by Teams. We've got Crimson Fury for uh, Tim Franco revealed as the mystery partner. Shire Wolves with the Thelma and Louise entrance versus Critically Acclaimed. The Looney Bin for their debut. Shazam for Shazam pretends they are announcers. And Scream Queen's entrance versus Odd Couple, uh, the Scream. And then they kill Sam Levine, which was a, which, which is great. Um, I uh, picked Shazam and their, uh, they pretend they are announcers. This was one of my favorite entrances that they've ever done. Um, let alone of the year. I definitely, I love this one. I was very close to picking the Shire Wolf Summon Louise one, which was great. And then my third behind that was the Scream Queens one, which is, I, I'm a sucker for the movie Scream, and I, I loved what they did. And they and killing Sam Levine. I thought that was really fun. Um, but yeah, so I went with Shazam for uh, pretending to be the announcers. I thought it was very unique, uh, and I really dug it. So next up is Inner Geekdom slash Star Wars Player of the Year. We've got Kevin Smets, Mike Kalinowski, Rachel Cushing, Alex Damon, and Chandru the Chosen. And I, to me, there was absolutely no question about it. It's Kevin Smets. This guy, he's the current Inner Geekdom champion. Six Inner Geekdom victories in his rookie season. He went 6-1 and one with five knockouts. Won the title at Spectacular, defeating uh, Mike Kalinowski. This guy went on, he came into this league and just went on a run. And then he hit the wall that is Mike Kalinowski. But the thing is, he almost beat him. Realistically, he beat himself by uh, messing up that whole uh, uh, Spider-Man question. And then what did he do? He built himself back up. He went back out on a tear, got back up, faced off against Kalinowski once again, and took it home and knocked Kalinowski out. So to me, he came in strong, took a bit of a tumble, came back even stronger, and finished as the champ. That right there is rookie of the year material. I know some people are like, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Oh, I'm sorry. This isn't Rookie of the Year. This is Inner Geekdom of the Year. Which, no matter what, that right there, what I just described, Inner Geekdom of the Year. And I just kind of gave away who my pick for Rookie of the Year is. But we'll get to that when we get to it. But yes, all of that. I mean, if you look at, like, Mike Kalinowski, who's on this list, it shows, you know, it talks about, okay, he won his second Inner Geekdom title at San Diego over Cushing. 
and defeated Smets at Collision. And I'm just like, okay. So he, he had a strong start. You know, he became double belted. But then he lost everything. And and and, and I mean, maybe I shouldn't be including, you know, the team stuff in there. But okay, so he, he rose up the ranks. Or, you know, he continued to rise up. He finally got that inner geekdom belt there. Again, you know, after after losing it. And then he just he he lost it. And he lost it in such a bad way. He had such a bad end to the season. I just I don't know. Like I love Mike Kalinowski. He is he is one of my favorites, but he he had a bad end of the season. And it can happen to anybody. Uh, hopefully he can pick himself back up. And really ride strong into season seven, but that's the biggest reason why I he didn't get my vote for Inner Geekdom of the Year, Inner Geekdom slash Star Wars Player of the Year. I have a hard time giving it to to Alex simply because he only really does a couple of matches a year. Really, um, uh, he did two title defenses, one at Chicago, and one at Spectacular. Yes, he won both of those. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe if we saw more, and 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 that's not his fault. Um, maybe he'll he'll have better luck at winning this this award next year. Uh, when since he'll be in Inner Geekdom, he'll be you'll see more of him doing more stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So the next uh, category up is upset of the year. We've got Riley versus Howard in the singles tournament where uh, Stacy Howard wins. We've got the Looney Bin versus Time Machine, the quarterfinals of the tournament, where the Looney Bin wins. Oyama versus Merle, where Oyama wins the title. Uh, the Odd Couple versus Shire Wolves, where the Odd Couple wins the title from the Shire Wolves. And Crimson Fury over Loose Cannons, where Crimson Fury beats the Loose Cannons in the tournament. Now, for me, I was looking over this list, and I'm like, there are some, there are some great upsets, like... Both the Stacy Howard ones broke my brackets. Uh, they were the first things that broke my brackets in both of them. Um, so they were definitely big upsets for me personally. Um, and in general, yeah, you know. And, but the problem with that is I think the biggest reason that they're upsets is because people under, including myself, I'm fully aware of that, underestimate Stacy Howard all the time. Um and I don't know, it just, it kind of, it didn't resonate as big as some of the others, like the Oyama versus Merle one. That was, that was a big upset, and I'm sure there will be plenty of people who will vote for that. Um, even the Looney Bin versus Time Machine one, I, you know, most people didn't see that coming. But it's the Odd Couple versus the Shire Wolves. The Shire Wolves were on a tear. You know, they were undefeated. And going up against... The odd couple, and then losing the titles, and it was so close, so close. I think it was just like a one point difference, and that was that was so hard. Now, luckily for them, they were able to go back and essentially reverse that whole thing and get their titles back the next time they faced them. But it was a huge upset to see the odd couple take those titles, and so that is why uh, they get my vote for uh, upset of the year. So next up is podcast after show of the year. Now, like I said, I was talking Schmodown uh, and with Merc with the movie blog was in the pre nom. So there was like eight, 
I think there was like eight in the pre-nom list. Um, and, and that one was, mine was in there. Obviously, you know, a lot of people, I, I probably don't have a huge listenership and that's fine. Uh, for the people that do listen, thank you. I, I love you guys. And I hope that I, I bring enough interesting content for you. Uh, feel free to let me know. Give me some suggestions of other things. Hey, just reach on out. Twitter, at MovieBlogMerk. Uh, but yeah, uh, so unfortunately I was not on this list because I would have been voting for myself, obviously. But since I was not, uh, we have these five podcast after shows. We have Call to Action. Take three, dedicated to art, Jaw Movies, J-A-W Movies, which I had never heard of until this list came out, and Abby Friel's Twitter reactions. Now, most of them do all the same stuff. You know, they, 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 you know, they have, just like what, like, Late to the Party did and made real popular was full reactions. So you have the full video, and down in the bottom or in a corner or whatever, and it's you sitting there. For that whole length of the video, reacting to the show. And most of them do that. The one that I chose does something unique with with theirs, and that's Abby Friel. Um, she does these Twitter reactions that are just hilarious and on point, and I absolutely love them. But she also, I've also seen her, I don't know if she still does them, but I've also seen her do actual breakdown type stuff, like what I do, but on video. So she essentially she, she talks about what happened, talks about the matches or, or whatever for the week, and includes little short video clips here and there. But it's more like what I do on video with clips, and it's 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 something that I've thought about doing as well, um, because I've loved that format, um, and it would fit with the way I already do the show. So if I want to get into video, I think that's a, a great way to do it. And it's her the sheer entertainment value. And her uniqueness that makes me vote for her. And honestly, I think you guys should vote for her too because I think it's fascinating. She is awesome. And I'd love to see her just come out of nowhere and take this award. It would be spectacular. No pun intended. All right. Next up is Manager of the Year. We've got Kaiser, Tom Dagnino, Roxy Stryer, Jay Washington, Ken Knapsack and Grace Hancock together, and Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, so they all had interesting seasons this year, but the one that I, I originally, for most of the season, it, for me, it was between Roxy and Kaiser, Roxy and Kaiser, Roxy and Kaiser. And then Dagnino really started to creep up in there, really started to creep up in there. And then r- right toward the end, it was like, whoa, Dagnino's doing something special here. And that is why Tom Dagnino has gotten my vote. I mean, you got Ben Bateman winning the tournament and then the singles title. You got Who's the Boss uh, getting into the semifinals. You got the Founding Fathers uh, winning the title and defending it at Spectacular. You have Tom Dagnino winning the manager or the, the draft bowl. This is fascinating stuff. Um, oh, and you know what? I totally forgot about Tom Dagnino's draft bowl pick. Um, you know what? We're not even going to worry about that. <laughs> we'll leave that as a surprise uh, because I believe he can only take from either uh, Emma or Kaiser, and Kaiser's only one slot ahead of him. So what would happen is that they would switch, 
And since Tom, I feel like he would have to wait until round five anyways uh, before he he could use it. So uh, it's, it's not even something that in my draft pick would, would, would work. So it doesn't really matter until round five. Anyways, Tom Dagnino, man, like I said, he's got three, three, three champions on his team. He's got two mega teams, man, two great teams. They're both protected top five teams. And he won the draft bowl. He had Dan Merle who won the, uh, the free for all. I mean, this guy put together a team and has managed a team to greatness, to epic greatness. And for that reason, Tom Dagnino deserves manager of the year. Next up is Babyface Team of the Year. These are the good guys uh, uh, in the team division. Uh, we've got Shazam, Shirewolves, Wild Berries, Founding Fathers, and the Paddington 2. Uh, there's some great choices here. I love the Shirewolves. The only issue, like I really thought about picking the Shirewolves um, just because they're, they're fantastic. But they did retire halfway through the season. And so... I don't know. Part of it is hard for me to pick them. I wound up going with Shazam because they have really just skyrocketed and they are true baby faces. Definitely. I mean, so are Shirewolves. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, Shazam is who I definitely went with. And even if they lose, if Shirewolves pick it up, I'll be happy. Um, my number three would probably, I don't know. I was torn because I love the wild berries, but it's like, uh, what are we judging this on? Is this strictly popularity? Is it should we be looking at other stuff? I mean, I know it's just us voting here, so it's more it's more so popularity. But I mean, you look at look at the founding fathers, they how f- phenomenal they did this year, and Paddington too. They're a great team, and they they had a cool moment with Matt Hatchity kind of screwing himself. But I don't I, I don't know if I would quite. They'd probably be at the bottom of my list. So yes, Shazam is who is who I pick for Babyface Team of the Year. And on the flip side of that, we've got the Heel Team of the Year, which are the bad guys in the team division. So we've got Corruption, The Family, Crimson Fury, The Odd Couple, and The Movie Guys. Um, the Movie Guys, I never really thought about it. I'm like, when they said Heel team of the year and, and, and put movie guys in it. I was like, really? The movie guys? And then I thought about it. I was like, well, they're not your typical heel. They're kind of like the douchey frat bro kind of heel and nothing against them because that's the character that they're putting on. And they're both fantastic guys. Both Paul and Adam are wonderful human beings. But that's kind of the, the persona that they're putting on and they know that. Um, and so it's, I don't know. I didn't, I never thought about it that way, but it does make sense. Um, I did not pick them. However, I picked the odd couple. Uh, they, I understand, you know, corruption, but I don't think, I mean, chance is okay, but I, I just, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, I love the family, but, and, and Crimson Fear is kind of lower on that list for me as well. The odd couple is really who I see being the, the top contender for uh, heel team of the year. And next up, we have Babyface of the Year. So this is an uh, individual player, Babyface. Uh, so we had the teams, and now we're having the individual players. So we've got the kid, Brendan Meyer, William Bibiani, Ben Bateman, Dan Merle, 
and Rachel Cushing. And again, man, for me, I have been extremely impressed with William Bibiani this year. And so he got he has gotten a lot of votes from me throughout the year, not just here, but throughout the year. Uh, I I was betting on him for uh, both bra- both of the tournaments, uh, and he came real close. In both, I mean, he made it into that final match of both of them and won one of them. Um, and 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 he he's really impressed me this year. So so yeah, I gave it to William Bibiani for Babyface of the Year. And then on the flip side, we got Heel of the Year with Andrew Guy, Robert Meyer Burnett, Mike Kalinowski, Kaiser, and Grace Hancock. And hands down, like some people may say it's Andrew Guy. Nah, it is Mike Kalinowski. His heel game has been something special this year. Uh, Everything that he has done has been some special, special stuff. I loved what, like, I, I... I was a Mike Kalinowski fan even when he was a was a face with the league. People were calling him white bread and vanilla pudding and all that all that shit. But when Anarchy came around and he turned heel, whoo wee! This guy really knows what he's doing, and uh, I I've loved every second of it for the last what two years or whatever uh, with Anarchy and with everything that's been going on. It's been phenomenal um i i'm I'm so thrilled that he's been doing uh all that and and i I can't wait to see what he does in uh season seven all right so next up is new team of the year so this is wins losses fan reception etc this is this is everything new team of the year so we've got the looney bin shazam Time Machine, The Movie Guys, and The Family. And again, it's got to be Shazam. In, in my eyes, it's got to be Shazam. They have, they, they're 5-1. and one. They won the tournament. <clears throat> the only time that they lost was at Spectacular in the title match. Um, they, both of them have had amazing fan reactions. I, I just... I, I don't see. I mean, yes, you've got like the Looney Bin, which they're they're pretty cool. Uh, Time Machine, they're great. I love the movie guys, and even the even the family is great. They made it to the finals of the tournament, and they're six and one. But Shazam has done something special here with their entrances, with their demeanor, with everything, their level of gameplay. I I, I can't give it to anybody other than Shazam. So then we've got Rookie of the Year. And we've got Paul Oyama, Kevin Smets, Paul Preston, Brendan Meyer, and Tom from the Looney Bin. And there are some great, great options here. Uh, Paul Oyama, I'm sure, is is, is uh, a favorite for a lot of people. 6-1, won the singles title, uh, defeated Dan Merle, defended the title at New York against uh, Jeff Snyder. Uh, but then you've got you know someone like like a Paul Preston, you know he's uh, made it to the quarterfinals of the singles, had victories over Lon Harris, Rachel Silvestrini, and uh, uh, Del Rio. Uh, you know Brendan Myers done some great stuff in the singles tournament. He lasted over an hour in the free for all. And Tom from the Looney Bin 
four consecutive perfect rounds, man. It made it into the semifinals of, of the team's bracket. Fantastic people coming in here. But as I tipped my hand earlier, Kevin Smets is by far the one who, who has done it for me. Um, six and one in inner geekdom has victories over, uh, Lavic, Jay Washington, Chandru, uh, defeated Kevin or defeated Mike Kalinowski at spectacular. Just had, like I said, had, had a tear, took a stumble, but not much. It's not like, it's not like Kalinowski destroyed him or something. Yes. Kalinowski won and a win is a win, but it's not like he destroyed him. He was right there, ready to win. And he screwed himself by saying by, by screwing up the answer. So he picked himself back up and he went back out on a tear and he did what he came there to do, what he was destined to do. Kevin Smith is by far. I don't care what people people talk about Paulo Yama. Paulo Yama had a strong start and then fizzled at the end. Whereas Kevin Smith had a strong start, stumbled in the middle, came back even stronger. And won the belt at the end, solidifying for me, and hopefully for a lot of you out there, Rookie of the Year. Alright, so then we got the Comeback Player of the Year. This is the person who maybe didn't have such a hot Season 5 and came back in Season 6 and, and, and really made up for it. So we've got Ben Bateman, Jeff Snyder, Dan Merle, Mike Kalinowski and Andrew Guy. Uh, and some of these are great choices. I mean, you saw Mike Kalinowski, who was not doing so great, and then came in and became double belted. Uh, you know, you saw Andrew Guy, who went 6 and 1 in teams after going 0 and 4 in its previous four matches. Uh, but the person who really is the one that stood out to me was Dan Merle. You know, he came back from a 3 and 3 season, won the singles belt. Won the team's belt. Won the free-for-all. Defended both the singles and the teams. And ended the season 6-2. and two. Yes, he doesn't have the singles belt, but he's got the team's belt. And he did so much fantastic stuff this year. Um, it's incredible what he did. And, and in my eyes, is, is, is no question... That he gets, that he should get comeback player of the year. I, I, I don't. Like I said, some of the other players they did some great stuff, but Dan freaking Merle, man, this guy just tore, 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 tore. He ripped his claw and just climbed his way back out, and just made something special out of season six. This has been a fantastic season in general, uh, and, and and it's stuff like this that has made it so. So then we've got the moment of the year. Got Ben Bateman wins the singles tourney and the title in the same night at Spectacular. Got William Bibiani goes from number one to the end of the free for all. Number three, we've got John Roca shows up sick to play Shazam at Spectacular. See, now this I agree with that this should be in the moment of the year, not in the entrance of the year. Uh, number four, Rachel beats Mike Kalinowski and becomes the double champion. Uh, and then Matt Atchity challenges his own win. And uh, some of these have been just spectacular. Um, no, no, no pun intended. You know, Ben Bateman winning the tourney and the title on the same night at Spectacular. 
Uh, and then John Roca showing up, sick at spectacular. It was no pun intended. Um, but like Rachel becoming double double belted, Bibbs is free for all. Those were great moments. But when I think moment of the year, it's a thing that like sticks with me, and it makes me say, "Whoa!" And it's like if they had a WTF moment of the year, you know, like if they had like one of each, this would definitely be that one. But I'm picking Matt Atchie challenges his own win because this is something that has never happened before. And I don't know if it'll ever happen again after what happened because people would probably be like, uh, I'm just going to take my win and walk. You know what I mean? But Matt Atchley challenges his own win, costs him the match, and the, 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 the aftermath of that being that, like, really the challenge was should have been thrown out. Because it was correct. Like, the question was right, and they they legitimately won the match. So they threw, you know, he threw away the win, really, for nothing. So that, for me, is definitely moment of the year. Then we've got a couple more. I think there are there are a handful more uh, categories left. So first up, we have got match of the year. We've got Ethan Irwin versus Dan Merle at New York, where Merle gets a perfect game and wins the title. Mike Kalinowski versus Rachel Cushing uh, at the Intergeekdom Throwdown, where Kalinowski comes back after being down eight points, and Cushing still wins the Intergeekdom title in sudden death. We've got Mike Kalinowski versus Smets at Collision. They're tied up going into the five-pointer. Smets misses that Spider-Man question, and Mike... Hits it going on to play Cushing for the title. Then we've got Mike Kalinowski versus Cushing. Uh, Inner Geekdom at San Diego. Where Mike Kalinowski wins the Inner Geekdom title. Then we've got the Looney Bin versus Time Machine. Uh, which was a close battle. Uh, it goes into that five-pointer and the Looney Bin wins. Up, you know, Upsetting, breaking a lot of brackets. Then we've got Corruption versus the Shire Wolves. Corruption uh, has a big lead in the fifth round, misses the two and three pointer, and Shire Wolves force them to hit the five. And Corruption wins the titles, and the Shire Wolves retire uh, after that match. The then number seven Corruption versus the Founding Fathers. Three Founding Fathers win the titles after scoring two perfect round ones. And then number eight, Shazam versus the movie guys. This was an intense back and forth match, uh, and and it, it was I, I loved it. So I I was very happy to see it on there. It was very a whole ton of matches on it. eight matches. Uh, it's one of the biggest categories I think for uh, the entire award show. And even though there are some fantastic matches here, the one that I picked that I really think exemplifies match of the year is Mike Kalinowski versus Rachel Cushing in her Geekdom Throwdown where Mike Kalinowski comes back after being down eight points, sends it into sudden death, and Rachel Cushing wins the Inner Geekdom title. This was a fantastic match. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorites uh, of... All of the matches that they've ever done, not just in season six, uh, and that is why it definitely deserves match of the year: Kalinowski versus Cushing at the Intergeekdom Throwdown. 
Now we've got Team of the Year. So this is overall Team of the Year. So we had Heel Team, we had Babyface Team, and now this is the overall Team of the Year. We've got the Shire Wolves, Corruption, Shazam, the Founding Fathers, and the Odd Couple. Uh, there's they had some so all of them had some great stuff going on. I mean the Shire Wolves are a great team. Corruption's a great team. But the one that I really think deserves this, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Shazam. Uh, they have taken a lot of awards on my pick, but Shazam, they won their first match, entered the team's tournament to win four more. They win the tournament. They go and they they only lose very minimally. It was such a close match. They lose a close title match to the Founding Fathers. That's spectacular. And they end their season 5-1. and one. I mean, yeah, they didn't win a title, but I think that the stuff that they did as a team, the sheer level of gameplay that they brought on as a team, I think is what really, in my eyes, solidifies them as team of the year. Um, you you could say, you know, you could give a very good uh, a fight for, like, the Founding Fathers, who, you know, a 4-1 and one record, and they won the titles and defended the titles. So, you know, if they win, I, I definitely wouldn't be, uh, you know, upset. Um, but for me, it, it's it's more than just about titles. It's about what you do as a team, and for me, I, I give it to Shazam. So next up, we've got the Singles Player of the Year. So this is a player in the singles division, uh, and that's what you're taking to, into account when it comes to this, is their singles career, not their team's career, or any of that stuff. So we've got Dan Merle, William Bibiani, Ben Bateman, Paul Oyama, and Mike Kalinowski. Uh, I mean, they've all done some great stuff. You know, Dan Merle won the title against Ethan Irwin and defended it against William Bibiani. Uh, he also won the free-for-all. He did lose his title, though, to Paul Oyama. Uh, and he was only 2-1. and one. He only fought three matches this year. Then we had William Bibiani. He made it to the finals of the singles tournament. He had uh, a title opportunity against Merle, which didn't go his way. He went from number one to uh, the, the end of the free-for-all, becoming the VIP, uh, getting a, a, a free number one contender shot. Because of it, and he ended his season five and two. Then we've got Ben Bateman, who won the singles tournament and the singles title in the same night. Uh, you know, he really has done some great stuff. Pulled himself out of the gutter and went six and one this season. Paul Oyama, also six and one, won the title uh, in his fourth match in his rookie year against Dan Merle. Defended against Snyder, he is the youngest singles champ. But he did lose the title at Spectacular in a pretty, I mean, honestly, it was kind of embarrassing. I think he had he had like three points at the end of the game. And that's a five-round game to have three points at the end. Man, actually, I don't even, now that I think about it, I don't even think it went through all five rounds. But um, three points, that, you really got to take stuff like that into account. And then you had Mike Kalinowski. Defeated Janine the Machine twice and Ben Bateman. Finished off his season three and two. 
wasn't really anything spectacular though for, about about his season. That is why for me, singles player of the year goes to Ben Bateman. I bet you guys thought I was gonna say William Bibiani. Nope, Ben freaking Bateman. Singles tournament, singles title in the same night, six and one. This guy plowed through his season and did such a phenomenal job. Uh, what he did at Houston was great, uh, and just I loved seeing what what he did. And I can't wait to see what he does coming up uh, in season seven. So Ben Bateman, singles player of the year for me. And then we've got overall player of the year. This is the big one. This is the final one. Overall player of the year: Dan Merle, Rachel Cushing, Ben Bateman. Mike Kalinowski, and William Bibiani. So we talk about like William Bibiani. He played in both divisions, six and two in the teams, five and two in singles. That's a lot of matches. That's a lot of wins. Won the team's tournament, made it to the finals of the singles tournament. Mike Kalinowski played in all three divisions, three and two in singles, three and one in teams, two and two in intergeekdom. It was pretty good, pretty good score, or pretty good stats for it. Um, the the inner geekdom, which is supposed to be his bread and butter, could be a little bit better, but uh, started the year as the champ, lost to Cushing, beat Smets, beat Cushing for the IG title, beat Finding Fathers, beat Shirewolves for the team titles, and became double belted. A lot of good stuff happened for Mike Kalinowski here. Uh, his overall season six record was eight and five and with two titles. So that, that's pretty good. Uh, Bibiani's uh, overall was 11 and four because uh, I, I missed that one. Um, so then Ben Bateman played in two divisions, six and one in singles, two and two in teams, won the singles tournament and the team title or in the singles title in the same night. That was fantastic. Uh, overall season record of eight and three. Rachel Cushing played two divisions, started off the year as team champ, uh, two and one in inner geekdom, two and two in teams, won the inner geekdom title and became double belted, defended the team's title, won back the team's title, uh, and went four and three overall for season six. And then Dan Merle played in two divisions, four and one in teams, two and one in singles, won the singles title, won the team's title, defended the team's title and the singles title, won the free for all. Went six and two overall, two titles, two defenses. This is the guy right here, Dan Frickin Merle. He has done some amazing stuff this year, and I just I can't believe how well he has done. He pulled himself up out of the ash from last year. That is why I gave him comeback player of the year. And he's also he's done so well that he has gotten my vote. For overall player of the year. And I hope he got your vote as well. So that wraps up this episode of Talking Schmodown, man. We covered the draft. We covered the awards. Covered some other news that happened. It's I am so pumped for what's coming. Uh, we've got... If, if you want to ha- have some more Schmodown stuff. If you're missing... If you're jonesing for some Schmodown matches. Join Patreon. And the Who's in the Studio exhibition match is now available for patrons. Uh, I believe right now it's still for the $10 and up. 
And then uh, this week, uh, within the next few days, I believe, it'll go down to the $5 and up patrons. And then next week, uh, it'll be available for all patrons. So if you're if you're jonesing for some new matches, join Patreon, watch some of the, the past exhibition matches, uh, and then check out this new Who's in the Studio uh, exhibition match. Uh, also coming up on January 11th, it's a week and a half away, we've got the awards and the draft. So we will see uh, if these picks... And mock drafts that everybody's been doing will come to fruition for someone. Uh, then January 25th is the New York Live show. Uh, and I am so excited. This one's in Brooklyn. And we've got uh, some great, great stuff going on there. We've got Mark Hanopic versus Kevin Smets for the uh, Inner Geekton title. As well as the undercard of Andrew Guy versus Robert Meyer Burnett. So that should be fascinating to see. Uh, and then on February 29th, in Atlanta, we have a live show with Alex Damon versus Emily Rose Jacobson uh, in an Inner Geekdom match. It's uh, Alex Damon's first Inner Geekdom match. And Ben Bateman versus either William Bibiani or Paul Oyama to uh, for the singles title in Ben's first title defense. That uh, Bibiani versus Oyama match will happen somewhere in between these two events. So keep an eye out for that. So this has been one hell of of an episode. So much great stuff going on. I was so happy to be able to get on here and and, and talk with you guys uh, about all this great stuff that's going on. So be sure to hop on to Twitter, at MovieBlogMerk, and give me all your thoughts on, on all the Schmodown stuff that we've talked about here. On the awards, on my predictions, let me know what your predictions are. On the draft... If you have a, if you've done a mock draft or anything like that, let me know what it is and let me know what you thought of my picks for the draft, um, and anything else that you got going on. Who you know, what has been your favorite thing about season six, and what are you most looking forward to in season seven? Let me know all of that great stuff again on Twitter and Instagram at MovieBlogMerk and on Facebook and Instagram or Facebook and YouTube at Merk with MovieBlog. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown. Catch you next time.